Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and I'm here today with the other co-host, Matt Basta. And we have a special guest today. We have Patrick Hickey Jr. He's a voice actor for an upcoming video game that looks really exciting, an indie game. And he also is writing a book. We're going to get into all of that, but how's everyone doing? Doing all right. Doing pretty. Doing pretty good, Pretty yeah, is good pretty. also. Pretty is always good. a pageant. Yeah. <laughs> I feel pretty right now. I just feel so pretty. That's going to be like my new way of like answering that question. Like, how are you doing? Doing pretty. Very pretty. I like that. <laughs> but this is a video game podcast, and we're known to do some interviews, and this is one of those. So let's kind of like get into the background of who you are and what you do, and like kind of do a little elevator pitch on who you are for our listener. Well, my name is Matt. And <laughs> no, no, God damn no. it, Matt. <laughs> Well done. Well played. <laughs> I couldn't Very help nice. myself. He's feeling pretty, so I mean, you know, <laughs> you'd <pretty>. expect that. <laughs> Take the spotlight. There we go. So my name is Patrick Hickey Jr. I am the editor-in-chief of ReviewFix.com, a former editor at uh, NBC, and uh, the assistant director of the journalism program at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn, New York. I am the author of The Minds Behind the Games, interviews with cult and classic video game developers from McFarland and Company, and I am the voice actor for The Padre, an upcoming video game from independent developer Shotgun with Glitters. Yeah, that's quite an interesting game. So like, I I got a chance to play a little bit of the alpha and I'll give a description from my perception and then we can talk about it from your perspective. Sure. Um, It seems like to me like Resident Evil meets Minecraft in like visuals and like gameplay, like there's probably lots more influences and stuff. But it's it's this really cool, like, dark, creepy, voxel-style game, and it's really quite creepy. I've only got so far into the game, but what I did play, I was like, oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. It's it. What we'd like to say is, a, you know, it's a combination of a ton of really cool games from the 80s and the 90s that people have really forgotten about. So there's there's references to Half-Life in the game, like the crowbar you get. What's the name of the crowbar? Do you remember? Oh, shit. Gordon. Yes. So, um, like we said before, there, uh, there's a monster in one of the rooms that's tentacles that should definitely remind you of Day of the Tentacle and Maniac Mansion. The, uh, the chief inspiration of the game, though, is Alone in the Dark. Um, there's a lot of Maniac Mansion in there. There's even some Devil May Cry. There's some Diablo with the combat system. So it's kind of like it's a, it's a celebration of all those great games that, like, people have really forgotten about. And, in terms of genre, there's not a lot of voxel survival horror games out there. So we'd like to think that we're trying to start something really special here. Yeah, I love how many references you guys are like throwing in there, almost in like Easter egg style ways. I mean, if you play the survival mode, the first thing that the Padre says is, I'm all about chewing gum and kicking ass, and I'm all out of gum. Nice. You know? So it's like, <laughs> fantastic. they live, you know, or Duke Nukem, Duke Nukem stole it from they live, so... You know, that's what we're about. So there's um there's actually an Easter egg in the library. It's so funny. The first time that I found it, it's um a uh Demon Souls um board no game. Shit. And uh <laughs> if you open it you die. <laughs> and uh when you di- when you die, like this red screen comes up and it says like what did you expect? You know? So it's like <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Oh man. The the guys at Shotgun with Glitters are super funny, they're super down to earth and they're they're always about like adding cool stuff to the game. And it's kind of funny in a weird way that like, even though there's so many games that it takes its inspiration from, it has a very clear identity. So the story 
gets super deep, like the, the farther you get into the game. So while all those references are cute and sexy or pretty, you know, it, the game ends up becoming something very unique too. Definitely. Um, so how did you meet the guys involved at that studio and how did you become the voice actor for this character? I mean, this is like, I'm not, I'm not a religious person by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, it's like almost serendipitous. It's like fate, you know? Um, so I, I'm on Twitter a lot and, uh, especially rocking those indie dev and indie game hashtags because I like to find games that are just coming up, and uh, I came across a GIF, or a GIF, whatever you want to call it, of a tree, like, coming to life, the branch hitting this, like, voxelized priest, and I'm like, shit, that's pretty cool. So, um, I messaged them, and I was like, uh, I'd love to interview you guys for, uh, for the site, for ReviewFix.com, the site that I'm the editor-in-chief, ReviewFix, Grant Pooba, you know, uh, Homer Simpson, whatever you want to say, you know, and uh, did the interview with them, and it came out really good. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to play the Alpha, and uh, I was like, sure. So, playing the Alpha, and uh, I quickly realized that I'm an English professor and a journalism professor. I've been an English professor for a little bit over a decade, and I quickly realized that these guys were not from the United States. I'm like, okay. I'm like, the dialogue is edited well, I'm like, but the, the verbs are a little, you know, here and there, the adjectives, I'm like, I'm like, if I could somehow edit the story and help these guys, like, clean this up a little bit, it would be super sexy. So I messaged them and I'm like, guys, like, I would love to help you edit this and make it perfect. And uh, we discussed it and they were like, yeah, absolutely. And, um, after that, we, I started talking to Bence and, uh, he's one of the, he's like the, the lead, this is his vision, you know, Bence and Bowles, um, both of them. And, uh, we started talking every day and they're in, uh, they're in Budapest. So they're six hours ahead of me. So when I would wake up in the morning, they would be at lunch. So (laughs) when I was like on the bus on the way to work, they were at lunch. So we would of course talk. And then when I was on my way home from work, they would be, you know, getting home from work and starting to, to work on the game. So it's like we always have time to talk with each other. And uh, they said that their voice actor had left and um, they needed somebody else. And uh, I had watched their original trailer and the guy that did the voice was solid. But it's like it's a dark game and he sounded he sounded too like radio friendly, you know? Yeah. And I was like, this voice needs, like, some bass. Like, this guy needs, like, some growl to him. And um, for a really long time, I've, like, screwed around with voices. And it, my wife can't stand it when, I, when <laughs> I'm doing, like, you know, the movie trailer voice in a world. <laughs> you know, she, when we first started going out, I would do it, like, when the trailer would come up. And the first time, she was like, okay, what was that? And then the second time, she was like, all right, we're done. Don't do it anymore. <laughs> you know? But, um as time like listening watching this game playing this game I'm like I uh I think if I could do that voice and kind of add like a Russell Crowe like Jeremy Irons kind of thing to it like uh, I am the Padre another day serving the Lord you know like something like that and um I asked them if I could read the lines cuz they had like three other people that were uh, doing it okay and uh it was like 
6.30 in the morning. I'm in my office at, at my college. And I just closed the door and I had my Zoom recorder, which is, you know, it's gangster. It's an awesome recorder. <laughs> and uh, I just read through all the lines. And a couple of hours later, they were like, yeah, dude, we love it. Like, you're you're in. You got it. So, Oh, so- for sure. You, you really brought the character to life. Like, it really just made the character in, the, in that <laughs> environment. I, I, I really do mean that. Like, kudos to you because it just it makes it like that dark atmosphere and everything about it. Like, that just dark tone to his voice, the gruffness, it really mm-hmm. makes it seem like it's just like the perfect fit. So I, I'm glad they thought that too. It's just so funny because now it's like um, I'll be walking to uh, to work and stuff and it's super early in the morning and I'm like, ah, another day serving the Lord. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's so, that's such a great quote. All right. And here's a question though. Like, so as, since you're involved with this whole thing, do you know like the specifics on like when this is going to be out? Obviously we're talking, we played the alpha people, so Mm -hmm. this is early development, but like, is there any kind of like speculative release date or is it way too early to be discussing Uh, that? Well, the Kickstarter begins November 2nd and they're aiming for a release, uh, first quarter of 2018. So there's a lot of groundwork that's already been put onto the game, but they want to add a lot. Like, I would say it's a safe assumption to say that they're about about 50% done with uh, with the game. Yeah. So, so yeah, And, and they, uh, the original uh, hope is... Uh, well, not the original hope. The, the goal is to get it on Steam. And then uh, after that, Android and iOS, I think this game would be amazing on the iPhone. You know, like, yeah. there's, not, there's not a game... There wouldn't be a game like this on the iPhone. But then after that... They're thinking about going to other places too. So it, the Kickstarter that begins on November 2nd is going to be super important for these guys. And I'm willing to do a lot to help them succeed. I totally believe in this project. Um, I just feel like these guys really love the video game industry. And like one, one of the things was um, when I first started playing through the alpha, if someone came to me and I was making a game and they were like, oh, well, let me edit the dialogue. I would be like, yo, dude, kiss my ass. How about that? You know? And um, <laughs> they were they were totally receptive. And then whenever I spot a bug, it gets fixed like two hours later. Like these guys are gangbusters. These guys really want to put together a really good, polished game. So Definitely. Oh, and as I played the alpha, it was, I mean, for an alpha, it was pretty good. There was only like minimal bugs and stuff. Like I have a mm-hmm. couple notes I'm, I intend on sending them because like that's exactly what playtesters are for. So in general, I, I enjoyed the game. The, the story, the pacing was really good. I just wish I got further. I got stuck on something stupid and I was damn near close to figuring it out, but you did off air give me a little advice. So once I get through that, I'll be, I'm excited to see what else the alpha has in store. The, the alpha is so much fun and it's like, um, I told you off air that I've beaten the alpha about 20 times and uh, <laughs> I always find new rooms. We'll put it that way. So it's like after you beat the alpha, you have the option of continuing to explore. And uh, every room in in this game tells a story. Every time the Padre speaks, like, do you remember um, the part where uh, the Padre sees like that cat come out of the glass? Yes, that was and wild. It- and he's like, ah, oh, the reflection of evil. Yeah. It's like every single thing that the Padre says connects to a puzzle, you know? So it's like, if you're brain farting your way through this game, you're going to get stuck and you're going to be like, oh shit. And then like the puzzle that you were stuck at, it's like, it took me like a good half hour to realize like, oh, wait a second, you know? So it's, it's not a button masher. It's not one of these, it's an old school game. It's like, um. One of my buddies, Rocco Sanzone, that writes for my site, 
I let him write the preview of the of the alpha because conflict of interest. I obviously can't write anything about it. <laughs> sure. And uh, you know, he was just like, "Dude, I'm stuck here," and I'm like, "Don't you see what what's happening?" And he's like, "What?" I'm like, "It's all happening." And he's like, "What? What the fuck are you talking about?" And I'm like, "When was the last time you had a conversation with somebody about being stuck in a game?" And he's like, holy shit. He's like, like the seventh grade. I'm like, yeah, dude. I'm like, there's no game shark here. There's no walkthrough. I'm <laughs> like, this is like, this is how it used to be. Like back in the day, you know, it's like, yeah. this is the way it used to be. And he's like, this is great. He's like, I love it. He's like, all right. So he's like, pretend we didn't even have this conversation. I'll, I'll try and figure it out myself. And I'm like, good, do it. Dude, that's fantastic. No, and I do remember those days, and it is very nostalgic. There is an audience for that specific game. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to see. Uh, how receptive they are because so far what I played I'm enjoying thoroughly I think it's got a great premise it's great uh, graphics for the style they're going for I don't know I'm I, I'm I'm hopeful for this game uh, Matt do you have any kind of questions for this before yeah, maybe move well, on to like the book and stuff I was gonna I was gonna ask um, so the the Kickstarter is forthcoming um, mm-hmm. and the game is uh, you know hopefully gonna be Q1 2018 um, mm-hmm. so if the game is about half done um, as the Kickstarter progresses, how much do you think um, the input from the community and, and you know, gaining publicity and, and building momentum uh, with, you know, gamers uh, in general, um, how, how much do you think that will influence the direction of the remainder of the game? Is it, is it very set in stone or do you, do you think it'll expand or change or I, grow? I, I think um, that's first off, that's a great question. Um, second, uh... I think all of the insight from the indie game community and all of the backers, potential backers from Kickstarter is going to have an instrumental effect on the, the way the game is polished. I think um, as far as like the gameplay engine and the story, I think those are pretty much set in stone. I think fine-tuning, absolutely. I think if enough people from the Kickstarter say that, oh, you know, this this needs to be fixed or that needs to be fixed, I think those will definitely be fixed because my experience from, from the guys with shotgun with glitters has been fantastic that every time I, I find a bug or something it's fixed right away. So these guys are not, and that's, I don't want to knock the indie game community because I absolutely love the indie game community, but I've never met a developer so receptive and just to kind of like go off on a tangent. It's like, guys, this is like, like a huge risk for me. You know, it's like, I just wrote a book, about the history of video games. I've been writing about video games for 12 years for NBC, for my site and stuff. It's like, I'm kind of crossing over to the other side, you know? So it's like, I don't, I don't want to be involved in a shitty game at all, you know? Sure. So it's like, for me to be involved in this project, at least for me, means that I 100% believe in its success and believe that it's going to be a good game. And I'll tell you this much, like, before I was a voice actor on this game, I believed in it. So, and like now that I play the game and I hear my voice and I, I feel like that connection with the character, I feel even strong, more strongly about the future of this game. That so, makes sense. So, yeah. So I think the Kickstarter is going to do a lot to polish the game and, uh, the Kickstarter is going to be so much fun. I don't want to give too much away, but there's like, uh, there's going to be one reward where if you pledge a certain amount of money, the Padre will actually call you on the phone and have a conversation with you. <laughs> nice. That, that so was actually cool. my follow-up question. Like, yeah. it, it, do you have any sorts of 
um, inklings about what the different sorts of reward tiers uh, are going to be. I don't want you to necessarily give away yeah. uh, anything secret, but mm-hmm. um, do do you have any ideas about like ways that uh, folks will be in the game or uh, you know sort of affect uh, the gameplay? Mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of games out there um, where you know you, you sort of at a certain level you you become a character or your name is somehow included or like yeah. there's a little joke or a tombstone or whatever yeah so I'll, I'll uh well i know the answer to that question because like i said in addition to being the voice actor i i've i edit the story i help with a lot of different things and i i've seen all of the rewards and stuff but um there will be a lot of fan participation in the kickstarter in terms of like their names being on gravestones and things like that (laughs) cool in the uh in the library of the um there's a library in the game where it's like um like seven or eight screens and uh people will have opportunities to have some of their writing in there and cool stuff like that so it's definitely going to be uh a game that like if you're interested in including something like that yes in terms of characters and affecting the story i i don't i don't think so because i think uh i think bence is uh pretty comfortable with uh the story that he has so far and that's another thing too i have to say like i uh i'm mainly like i'm a journalist and i'm mainly a non-fiction writer and like a comic book reader which is two two opposite things but it's <laughs> like what i mean is like i like to read really good non-fiction and really good fiction and it's like there's so much crap fiction out there and it's like uh when i when i kind of read all the dialogue for this story i'm like this is so good so you got you guys are in for a really good treat it's like it starts off so you know demon hunter priest in a castle and then it just comes it becomes something so completely different from there so i'm super excited for people to experience it that's an awesome pitch because yeah, I, I was already sold initially off of this alpha. There's just one thing that I would say that I hope like I I know as I started the game it like had like a disclaimer of, like this mm-hmm. is an alpha and all this stuff and uh the the saving system is going to be different at the end result. Like as of now, it's like every time a scene changes, it auto saves, which I'm very yeah. grateful because that's great. Yeah. But like once mm-hmm. in the game, if it's more like Resident Evil style with finding ink ribbons or something more like sparse, I could understand that. But we'll see. Um. The thing that I would hope is that the combat would pick up the pace just a little bit. Like, I don't know if, like, I don't know exactly how it works. If you can, like, tweak a thing in the animation, it's, like, a little bit faster. But, like, it'd be cooler to see a little bit faster pace, like... uh, Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, interaction in the combat. But that's not even, like, I don't think that's Mm -hmm. a hard thing to improve on. Yeah, no, it's, like, there's already been discussions on uh, adjusting things in terms of combat. I want to just stress, too... That combat is like one part of the game, but the puzzles and the development of the story is like the main like sexiness of the game. Combat <laughs> is just it's kind of like foreplay at this point, you know? Interesting. Yeah, I like that. Um, so I wanted to talk about your book as well. You obviously mm-hmm. have been a writer for a long time. What, what what where did this book come from? Like what was the inspiration and how did it all begin? It's just crazy because it's like I feel like I don't know how old you guys are. Um twenty seven. Okay. 35. Okay, <laughs> That's so not true. Right. Not 35. And also 27. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm 34. And uh, I just had uh, my, well, I didn't. I look like I did, but I didn't. Uh, my wife just had our uh, first child. 
um, oh, seven, se- seven months ago. Thank you very much. And mm. uh, while she was pregnant, I kind of like came to this like crossroads in a way where I'm like, uh, I'm assistant director of the journalism program at Kingsborough Community College. And uh, I've been there for about 10 years. And I've written for NBC. I've written for Examiner. I've written for the New York Daily News, the New York Times, all of these places and stuff. But I'm like, I never wrote a book. And um, I felt like I ha- I had to before my daughter was born. I didn't want to be one of those, you know, I could have been a contender, you know, person. I didn't want to be that dad that had regrets or anything like that. So um, I remember having a conversation with my wife and I'm like, I want to do this. And my wife is awesome. Like, she's just like, uh, less talking about it. Like, if you're going to do it, like, just, you know, do it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, all right. So, um, I just didn't know what I was going to write about. I, I, I thought maybe I was going to write about hockey. Cause I mean, I, I've covered professional hockey for a long time. And I was like, mm. and, uh, I had watched Atari game over several times. I love that movie. Um, and I had just finished reading, uh, Brett Weiss's top one, a uh, 100 console video games, 1977 to 1987. And, uh, it's a great book, and I interviewed Brett, and I ended up becoming his buddy on Facebook. He's a super nice guy, and uh, I had about fifty of those games out of the hundred. Nice. And uh, after reading, I bought like another twenty. My wife doesn't know this, so I'm going to get in trouble <laughs> for it. But Uh-oh. I bought like I bought like another twenty of those games. And uh, Brett's writing style is very different from mine. Um, he's a super geek in like the best way possible. Excellent. And I'm and like each post for each game in that um, book is a couple of pages, but it's like, there's a lot of pictures and stuff. And like, he, he uses everything like together to, to tell a story. It's great. You know? And uh, I'm very, I'm a very different writer than that. I'm, I'm a classically trained journalist. Um, I have my master's in journalism and I love, love doing interviews. So I'm like, how can I write, that type of book, but in my style. So I, I said to myself, okay, like I want to interview as many video game developers as possible that like had an effect on me growing up and, uh, get like kind of like the behind the scenes of all of their games. So what I did was I sent out, um, like six pitches. Um, I would say a couple of days before Halloween last year. Um, it was John Van Keegenheim who did heroes of might and magic. um, Howard Scott Warshaw, who did Yard's Revenge and E.T., um, Michael Menheim, who did Mutant League Football, um, Warren Spector, who did Deus Ex. And nice. uh, I sent out all six pitches, and I, I, I remember telling my wife, if, like, three people got back to me, then I might have enough to, like, start a book. And uh, within, like, a week, all six got back to me. Damn, I, nice. I was, that I was that like, feels yes, good. Yes, I was like, oh, I can do this. And then um, my first interview... Um, over the phone was with Howard Scott Warshaw, and I was originally only going to do Yar's Revenge because I felt E.T. had been done to death. And um, we did this really good interview on um, Yar's Revenge. Um, I did it in my kitchen because my wife was pregnant at the time and she was trying to sleep. Um, <laughs> and it ended up being like a really good like 45-minute interview. And then when we're done, I was kind of like talking to him about E.T. And then he's like, Pat, let's just do it. Let's just talk about E.T. And I'm like, okay, great. So then I ended up getting both of them for the book. And then, uh, like three days later, Michael Menheim sent me back answers for, for Mutant League football and they were fantastic. Just like great, like behind the scenes, like development stories. And, um, uh, I just got super excited. So 
I ended up writing four out of the six chapters in like three weeks. And, um, like I said, my wife was pregnant when I first started writing the book. So it was like the Sunday after Thanksgiving now. And, uh, she was, she was like sleeping on the couch next to me. And I'm like, you know what? Let me send, let me send a pitch out to like some publishers. And, uh, three days later, McFarland and company got back to me and they're like, we're interested. And they're like, the, uh, the only thing is like, we want this to be like 75,000 words. And I was originally imagining like a coffee table book that had like 12 to 15 games in it. And doing the math, I was like, I'm going to have to get like 25 games for this, which means this is going to be like the most intense, like reporting I've ever done in my entire life. And my wife is pregnant and I'm teaching four classes it's like, this is going to be no joke. And by the time it was over, I finished writing the book in um, the last week of April. And I had 36 games. So Damn. Yeah. So I was just like on fire. It's like how, if you if you guys watch wrestling back in the day, when like uh, Hulk Hogan would like Hulk up, it's like, that's the way like my, <laughs> my brain felt, you know, and it still does. Like my brain feels just like super charged like the last year. So I just ended up getting so many games for this. And it's like, at first it was just supposed to be like my childhood. And then it branched out to like, I got Mike Scoopa from Bully. And like, that game had a huge effect on me as like a 20, 21 year old, like teaching college, I would come home and then just run around that school and beat the living crap out of kids, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, totally. So, you know, so it just ended up being a really fun project. That's fantastic. Um, Matt, I feel like I steal the show. Do you have any questions regarding the book? Yeah, so you've got so many games here. Was it difficult finding um, enough resources for all of the like thirty six games? That's a that's a ton of games. How did you um, find the information that you needed to to tell the the stories of these games? So all thirty six of these games, I've I've played and beaten the living shit out of. You know, so it's yeah. like um, I have like a connection with them that way. But then it's like. Um, Basically, what I would do is, um, like, um, I'll give you guys an example. So, like, Mutant League Football, this is how, like, the research process would start. I would go on Wikipedia, and I would go, everything on this page is complete bullshit. And I would go, okay. So, they're saying that, like, Mutant League Football uses the same exact engine as Madden 92. There's no way. I'm like, there's no way. You know, because they're two completely different development teams and stuff like that. So, like, my questions would be, like, Mike, Wikipedia says this. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, like, what the real story is. You know, and then Michael Menheim would be like, no. Um, we consulted with, like, Scott Orr and we, we asked him, like, you know, how, how he programmed Madden. He goes, but we, we went in a completely different direction, you know, and it was just like Wikipedia, Moby Games, um, other interviews that were done. I use those as like jumping off points because every single quote that is in this book, I got in an interview. So there's no like, oh, I, I quoted another book or I quoted another site or I took something off of Wikipedia. It's all, you know, this is what's on the web. Like, take me through it. Is this right? Is this wrong? Or clarify this, you know? So yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of like the way. It all went down. It, it was like, I didn't want to tell stories that had already been told, or if they had been told, 
I wanted to get more information. It's like the E.T. Uh, chapter is titled The Best Game Ever Created in Five Weeks because most people consider it to be one of the worst games of all time. But when you find out that like Howard Scott Warshaw had 36 hours to come up with the entire premise of this game and then jump on a plane to Seattle to meet with Steven Spielberg, it's like this poor bastard. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like who, Basically. who could have done this? And then he sits down with you know Spielberg and Spielberg wants him to make a Pac-Man knockoff, you know? And it's like Atari game over just like kind of like touches on that, like that he felt disrespected, but I get, I get more out of Howard Scott Warshaw. I got him to kind of explain more, you know, that like not only did like Spielberg do that, but Spielberg even like played the final version and completely endorsed it. So it's like everyone talks about how, you know, this was such a bad game, but everyone in Atari was fine with it when it was released and everyone in Atari knew like what he had to go through. And then this is the thing too, that a lot of people don't know. Atari games were incredibly play tested when they were released. Like Yars Revenge spent months in play testing. ET was not play tested at all, you know? So interesting. So there's a lot more that explains depth. a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, I remember I was, I was watching Atari game over with my nephews and my nephews were like, yeah, man, ET sucks. And one of them is eight and one of them is 15. And then I just booted up like the Atari 2600 emulator and I'm like, play this. And they're playing it. And I'm like, you can play it. Right. And they're like, I, well, I keep falling down into this thing. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know you keep falling into the pit. Everybody falls into the pit. Pretty but much. Like, keep playing it. And, and they kept playing it and stuff. And I'm like, you've played worse games than this. You've played far worse games than this, you know? And they're like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, don't be fanboys, you know, don't be don't be a troll, you know? And that's like the point of the entire book, like for people to, to find out more information than they knew before and not to, not to be fanboys or trolls. I wanted to educate and inform and entertain with this one. Sure. We all know the internet has too many trolls to be, we don't need (laughs) anymore. So you have 36 games in this book. Did you have 36 different interviews or did you have some folks that, that talked about multiple games? Yes, um, so Gary Kitchen discusses Super Battle Tank, which is probably one of the coolest stories in the entire game. Um, and he talks about Bart versus Space Mutants. And then um, David Crane talks about Boy and His Blob and Night Trap, because um, he worked on Night Trap. Um, Mark Turmel talks about WWF. Um, I had to get a wrestling game in there, because I'm like a huge <laughs> um, wrestling fan, and my next book is on wrestling. So um, Nice. Which I'd love to talk about at the end. But um, Sure. So, um, some people, there's some repeats, but then like, um, the Wonder Boy chapter, I not only got, um, uh, Ryuchi-san to talk about the game, like the creator of Wonder Boy, I got the, the people that did the Wonder Boy, the Dragon's Trap, uh, Wii U, you know, Xbox One remake, that's awesome, I don't know if you guys have played it. No. But, um, it's, it's amazing, the Wonder Boy game on the, uh, on on the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch is absolutely awesome. Oh, um, sweet. So I got them to talk, and then uh, the guys that are doing the the Wonder Boy, like, kind of uh, retcon, so to speak, I got them to speak. Um, for Night Trap, I got David Crane, Rob Fulop, um, James Riley, and I got the guys that did the remaster for the PS4 and the Xbox One, the Screaming Villain. So overall, I got about 50 developers to speak for the book. Wow. Yeah, it's um before this 
the most in-depth thing that I had ever written was about a 6,000 word piece on, um, independent pro wrestling, like what it takes to go from watching it on TV to, to get to the WWE. And I interviewed about 15 professional and indie wrestlers. I did that for my master's thesis. And that was the prettiest thing that I had ever written up until that point. So this, uh, this was that on like Barry Bonds esque steroids. Totally. Oh man. So this has got to be exciting for you seeing how like, this is your, your first like big book. Have you launched just yet or it's not available? Am I correct? No, it's not going to be available. It's so crazy because (laughs) when was the release date for this game? It's first quarter 2018. So that's, that's roughly around the same time the book is going to come out. Okay. Fantastic. So it's like how many people have a book and a game that they're doing lead voiceover, you know, um, come out at the same exact time. And then it's even crazier because I told you guys that that Brett Weiss book had such a huge impact on me. And um, Brett's an amazing video game historian, and he actually wrote the foreword for my book. And um, he has a Super Nintendo Onibus coming out called, like, the uh, SNES uh, Onibus and uh, the Super Nintendo and its games. And it's basically every single game released for the Super Nintendo he like describes like he says like what it's all about when it was released and then he has a video game writer talk about how that game personally affected them so i have about 19 entries in that in that book so that book is coming out in 2018 too so i Damn. cannot i cannot wait for next year <laughs> yeah dude that's an ex- that's exciting stuff all on the horizon and that's going to be a, cool. that's going to be a great book too like i've already read it i have already read it um brett gave it to me to uh to give him any critique and stuff like that. And uh, I've given him several chapters of my book to critique. He helped me out a lot while I was writing. And uh, I absolutely loved reading that book. So I can't wait for people to read that book, to, to read my book, to play the game. So, so yeah. Absolutely. Um. Okay, well then, I guess we can kind of go into some more of like the general kind of questions. Like, sure. Typically on this show, we just talk about the games we've been playing lately and stuff. So is there mm-hmm. any, like, what type of gamer are you? Are you a retro guy? Do you play any of the latest and greatest? What have you been playing these days? So I have over um, 2,000 games. Holy um, shit. Yeah. That's about, awesome. Do you have like a, a room that like that like showcases them or something? Yeah, I have a man cave. Um, nice. <laughs> I remember the first time my wife saw it, she was kind of like, oh, you're like the 40-year-old virgin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have a lot of games across like 30 consoles. But um, it's kind of funny because... Right now, when you guys, you guys know what this is about. Like when you, when you run a site, you really don't have time to, to play necessarily what you want. You're playing like what people give you to review. Yeah. Um, so I would say the only games that I play for fun anymore, like, is like the NHL series, um, Pokemon and Fallout. Those are like my three, like guilty pleasures. But at the same time too, I get to play all these cool indie games and, uh, I've been kind of engrossed with the Switch lately, and I've been playing an awesome 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up called Wolverblade, which kind of reminds me of, like, if Golden Axe had, like, a three-way with um, Streets of Rage and, uh, Streets of Rage, Castle Crashers, and Golden Axe. It's it's so much fun. It's so pretty. It's that, like, hand-drawn art style. Um, I just interviewed the developer last week for one of the video game magazines I write for, um, Old School Gamer Magazine. Um, the guy's name is Michael uh, Heald, and it's a super pretty, fun 
beat them up on the switch. So, and the fact that you can kind of take it anywhere with you, I've, I haven't hooked up my switch to the TV yet and I've had it for three months. I just Dude, take it with me wherever I go. That's so funny. I recently purchased one and I've yet to hook it up to the TV either. And I, I mm-hmm. really, I intend on it at some point, but like so far it just so, feels so good in my hands. I'm like, I mm-hmm. love this fucking device. That, oh my that's gosh. That's what and, she said. Oh gosh. And yeah, the Wolverblade <laughs> game looks incredible. I do love the art style. And yeah, the, the, the description you gave was perfect. Yeah. Castle Crashers and all that stuff. It looks really in- entertaining. So I'm going to have to get around to checking that one out. Yeah, as a new Switch owner, though, I do. I'm excited that there's so many cool indie games that I'm eager to get around to playing. Yeah, and the, the thing is too, like I was telling you guys before off air, um, I I tried to hold out from buying like Nintendo developed games on the Switch for as long as possible because I wanted to see how strong the system could stand on its own two feet without Nintendo. And uh, between the Wonder Boy, um, the Wonder Boy game on the Switch, which is was amazing. And uh, I am set, uh, Setsuna. There's so many good games. The Neo Geo ports from back in the day. There's so many cool indie and retro games on the uh, on the Switch. Uh, Kamiko is another game that I'm not sure if you guys have played that, but that is absolutely awesome. It's five bucks on the Switch, and it's so much fun. It's like Legend of Zelda with some puzzle elements and just massive boss battles. It's so much fun. Okay, cool. Yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. up my alley. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, one game I wanted to at least mention for our listener is that, uh, at least on the day of this recording, um, or actually it was the, the yesterday, uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm Episode 2 became available, so I downloaded that. I'm going to mm-hmm. play it as soon as possible. I'm so excited, so look forward to hearing more about that. And then I also heard in the news that Fire Emblem Warriors came to Switch today, so mm-hmm. I'm like, oh gosh, that's exciting. It's from what I can tell, it seems like Fire Emblem meets Dynasty Warriors almost in this one. It's not like a traditional Fire Emblem game, which kind of has me excited because I don't know much about that franchise, but I think it might be a good diving in point for me because I at least have experience with Dynasty Warriors, and I love that, like, beat em up smash em up like, lots of killing stuff. <laughs> Nintendo seems to like that gameplay engine, too. They just take it and slap on a license, but it always works. Like, the Zelda one was a lot of fun, so I'm interested in seeing what they do with, you know, Fire Emblem with it. Yeah, definitely. I wish I knew the characters better, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and let's see, is Matt, did you have any games you want to mention, or...? Yeah, I've uh, so I've I've had one I've been meaning to bring up on the show for many weeks. Um, I just keep forgetting about it, and honestly, it's it's kind of a forgettable game. Uh, but it did provide me for with with a couple hours of entertainment. Uh, I played it on Android. I believe there's an iOS version. It's called Aqueducts, um, and it's sort of a fun little puzzle game where you've got to rotate some tiles to get water from one side of the map to the other, and it's not particularly challenging but i i found that uh i really enjoyed the the sort of like lack of um like real timers or or um anxiety inducing uh game elements it was it, it it's very much a, a casual game uh where if you need to kill 10 minutes uh it's quick and easy to get started and and play through a level or two there are sort of like, uh, uh, I guess what you might call boss levels where you are on a bit of a timer, but the timers are very generous. Um, and the real challenge is getting, um, stars. And so, uh, you, you get the stars by completing the puzzle in the fewest number of moves. Um, all in all, I, I would say like three and a half out of five stars, uh, for, for okay. Me. Um, I played a little bit of Civ 6, uh, last, 
last year, Jesus. Um, yeah. I mentioned, <laughs> God damn it. I, I mentioned that I'd gotten Civ 6. I was so excited for Civ 6. Um, right. I have a physical addiction to Civ 5. <laughs> I have to restrain myself uh, from playing it during the week because I will just stay up until 3 or 4 a.m. Uh, and I do have to get up at 5.30 in the morning oh, God. Uh, to get to work. So that's that's not the best. Um, but I played a little bit. Um, I didn't rage quit this time. Uh, I got pretty far. I completed a game. I didn't win. Um, culture victories. My God. It, that's like, the, honestly, this is the, the, the worst kind of victory in, in Civ Six. If it were up to me, it'd be like, you either take over the world, you get to space, or... Um, that's it. <laughs> um, but uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back into Civ 6. I did a little bit of uh, online play with, with a friend, and uh, hopefully we'll do some more of that, and I'll, I'll give you guys some updates. Um, I think they've released some updates to the game since it came out that have balanced it a little bit. Um, I mentioned the first time that I played through that there were some real balance issues with things like the Barbarians. Um, the game is definitely not Civ 5, but Eh, it, it's fine. It, yeah. It's it's still a thing. Um, religion religion is still like this weird bolted on concept. Um, it was originally, if I'm not mistaken, part of the DLC or an update to Civ Five, um, and then in Civ Six they made it actually part of the core game. But it it's weird because even in trying to focus on religion, the game made it difficult to and it didn't seem like it had any material benefit. So that that was really odd. Huh. Um, and then the last game, uh, which is something that I am just very proud of, and I, I feel like if Mark were on the show, uh, he would appreciate this very much. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> it, it, I believe it's, like, intentionally poorly translated. I don't think this was, like, a Chinese or Japanese game that was then ported... <laughs> <laughs> to be in an English game. I think it, it's done as a satire. Regardless, it's fucking hilarious. It's called Hidden My Game by Mom. Oh, god <laughs> damn it. And I think there's like roughly 30 levels. Um, and it's one of these games where you have to like tap on things to like <laughs> to like open drawers. And, and the goal is to find this this little white Nintendo DS. Um, that mom hid? That mom hid, yeah. And uh <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Anything could be a game now. God mm-hmm. damn it. Yeah, so there's there's like bizarre ways to get a game over. So your mom is just like hiding behind stuff. So it'll be like your mom with like a lampshade on her head. And you tap on her and she like gives you a stern look and you get a game over. Um, or she'll, she'll be like hiding in a refrigerator. Oh it's, my God. It, it's amazing. Um, the, there's like one level where it, all these levels are like in your house allegedly like there's one level where there's like cyclists like riding through your living room and you can't get to the game because like (laughs) there's like you get run over by bicyclists um anyway it's it's hilarious i thought i was gonna download it play through like two levels and talk about how shit it was but i i genuinely like belly laughed it was very good that's Um, awesome hidden my game by mom um there's also a Hidden My Game by Mom 2, which I have yet to play. Uh, perhaps I will play that when I finish Hidden My Game by Mom. Um, and then there's uh, other games, uh, presumably of the same genre by the same developer. Uh, I don't remember the developer's name. Um, but I will report back. This, this is on my list. Okay, uh, fantastic. Yeah, I'll, uh, that's it. That's all I have. <laughs> all right, and how about any other 
other games to talk about? I think I have one more I want to bring up, but how about you, Patrick? Okay, so um, I, I told you guys before I'm a big fan of uh, Maniac Mansion, and uh, yeah. it's, fe- it's featured in the book and stuff like that. And uh, the guys that made Maniac Mansion just released a game for the Switch and Xbox One and PS4 called um, Thimbleweed Park. And um, yes. it's, it's basically like Twin Peaks meets Maniac Mansion. So it's like an 80s Whoa. crime noir point and click in a 8-bit style, and it's absolutely fucking crazy. So, like, um, you come to this town where there's a murder, and uh, the same person who is the coroner is the cop, is, like, the lead sheriff Oh my god, that town. was so fucking funny. And he's, the, <laughs> and he's the, the clerk in the hotel. So it's like, you're, you play two cops, and you're trying to kind of, like, get to the bottom of this murder, and you're you're saying to each other like that's the same fucking guy and everyone in the town is just like no they they kind of look similar around the eyes but it's two completely different people you know and um, <laughs> they've all got their little catchphrases yes yes yeah and they all have their own little catchphrase a who a boo you know and uh, as you play farther in the game you get to control more characters and it's just at one point you're controlling like six or seven characters trying to get yeah. to the bottom of this murder and then you find out there's another murder like I was playing that game on the bus and I'm just like laughing my ass off and people are looking at me like, what is wrong with you? Like this clown, there's a clown in the game that gets cursed. It's like a Stephen King thing, like thinner almost. And it's ridiculous. Like that it's one of the best point and click games I've ever played. And the fact that it plays so well on the go and on the switch just is like a testament to the ability the switch has. Like there's so many fanboys out there that are like, oh, PS4, Xbox, they're like graphical whores. And it's like, um, the Switch is like a retro fan's like dream come true. But at the same time, too, like you guys are going to be very surprised when, um, you know, you play WWE 2K18 and all like those big third party games, how well the Switch holds them to. But for now, I mean, Thimbleweed Park is one of the best games on the Switch. Yeah, wow, it looks super interesting. The art style is fin- mm-hmm. phenomenal. I love it. It's, and it's funny, uh, wow. and it, there's cursing, and it's just, it's ridiculous. It's its its totally for, you know, somebody that's been around the block a couple of times and doesn't want their handheld. It can get super hard. Like, you thought that you were yeah. stuck in the Padre. Like it, It's <laughs> oh, the gosh. same exact thing. It's, it's just like, you get stuck, and you're like, fuck, like, what do I do? It's yeah. great. That's one of two points of criticism that I have about that game. The first one is it, it at times the puzzles can be so expansive yeah, that yeah. you're really scratching your head like I don't mm-hmm. know what like oh, there's yeah. not even a thing that I can see that I need to do. <laughs> of yep. course. You're just like wandering around trying to find something. Yep. Um and then my second point of criticism and I don't want to spoil anything but some of the plot lines end abruptly and Yeah you're not really ready for it. You're like, oh, here's the thing. And then you do it. And you're like, all right, and that's the end. And then it just moves on. Um, and the ending to the game, I f- it was good, but I found it to be a little bit perhaps unsatisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there's definitely uh, a large number of people that will find it very satisfying and enjoyable. But I also think that there's folks in the community that may not find the ending to be quite as gratifying. Just the uh, fact that the- you finished it to me puts you like in a, a <laughs> league of no because oh, don't give so, him don't give him that credit he probably watched the playthrough <laughs> did you did yes. you come all right it's okay <laughs> i don't have time to play video games anymore <laughs> it's so good, but i know still, my I, mean, I, I watch people play the same games over and over 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, but that's interesting. This game does look really cool. I'm glad you were able to shout it out. Um, one final game I wanted to bring up, and it's Switch related, and it's because I, I is it the like, one Bren posted? Uh, no, actually, I wonder what that is. Uh, I don't. I oh, I can talk about that it in Slack. Um, but no, I got three games initially for Switch. So I started off with Zelda Breath of the Wild, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and Splatoon 2. And so far, I've uh, tried out all three uh, at some point, but the most I've been playing is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And I did, there's like a bunch of different, like, uh, I don't know, speed settings, like the 50cc versus 100cc, and it goes up to 200, and that determines how fast the races are and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I got three stars on all the 50ccs, which is like super easy. And now I'm moving, I'm like halfway with the 100cc, all, and that's all single player. Um, I'm about to play a multiplayer with my girlfriend uh, for the first time, so that's going to be exciting. And yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I never really hooked it up to the TV yet, just yet. So mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, the Switch, I, I remember when I first heard about it, I was like, I was never really the Nintendo fanboy, and like, I didn't think like, I, I'm never going to own a Switch. And now that I do, it's just like, oh my god, this thing is like, incredible. And I remember... Corey uh, from One Track Gamers was on our show recently talking about, like, he's like, the Switch is perfect. And I'm like, I know what you mean, like, now mm-hmm. now that I, yep. I have one in my hands, it's like, it is an incredible device. If my PlayStation 4 was like a dog, like, it would probably be almost dead because it's like, the, the, <laughs> the Switch is like that cute new puppy that you're just like, you know what? I'm sorry. I love my old dog, but fuck you. Like, this puppy's cooler. You know, <sighs> it's just. That hits too close to home because today we just, it's in a scenario where we had an original dog. We got a cute new puppy. He's not too happy about it. And the cute new puppy was choking on a bone and like literally we're all like, oh my God, is he going to make it? And then he coughed it up and I was like, God damn, that was terrifying. And the old dog is in the corner is like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, he's probably like, oh, he's all mad that it didn't. (laughs) Anyway. Side tangent. Let's wrap this one up. This has been a fantastic episode. We're really grateful to have had you on our show, Patrick. Um, let's do some plugs. Obviously, we know the game and uh, the the video game and your book are coming out. But do you just want to maybe give some Twitter handles um, where people can support on Kickstarter if that's available yet, or like what websites to go to? Any of that. Here's your chance. Yeah. So um, first things first, with the Padre, go to the PadreGame.com. If you go on Twitter, it's Padre Indie Game. Um, there is a Thunderclap promotion right now for um, for the Padre. If you guys aren't familiar with Thunderclap, basically what it does is you sign up, and then when the Thunderclap launches, they post like one message on your social media. So it helps like create like awareness and like a social media explosion for whichever brand that you support. So if you just Google Thunderclap and the Padre, that'll come right up. Um, in terms of my book, if you go to facebook.com forward slash the minds behind the games, it comes right up. The book is available for pre-order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and then in select bookstores in Sweden, Germany, Australia. It's like all over the world. Like Bookstores are picking it up for pre-order, so I'm super excited. Um, all, all you have to do is go on whatever bookseller that you want and search for the minds behind the games, and it'll come right up. Um, we're actually having a tournament. We've been having a tournament for about a month now to crown the best game in the book. So it's a double elimination tournament, and every day I throw up another matchup, and people can vote on it. I think tonight we have Desert Strike versus Road Rash, and uh, the loser is out of the uh, tournament. So it's pretty cool. It's like last week, Mortal Kombat and um, NBA Jam for it, and people were getting so pissed because the, oh, NBA, God. the NBA Jam people were like, how does Mortal Kombat be NBA Jam? No, no, no. And people were like calling in their friends, and they were voting and stuff. It was just it was ridiculous. So. 
If you go on the Facebook page, again, uh, you know, facebook.com forward slash the minds behind the games, um, you can go there. You can sign up for whenever I'm on a podcast, which I've been doing a ton of. I've been speaking at cons. I've been doing a whole bunch of promotion for the book. Um, you can find out about it there. Also, um, like I said, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and uh, I started writing my next book uh, about a month ago, and it's basically about all the struggles emotionally and physically that like professional wrestlers have to go through in order to be professional wrestlers, like the, the not seeing their families and wrestling hurt and all of that stuff, wrestling for you know ten bucks in like your first match and like a bingo hole and shit like that. It's like stuff that people don't even hear about. And uh, one of my buddies, uh, Joe uh, Morales, and his friend Carlos Aristi, they run Battle Club Pro, which is a wrestling promotion out of the Bronx in New York, and they've uh, been gracious enough to give me great access to like all of their performers um they have a show coming up on november 4th in new jersey and they're gonna have some ring of honor guys there some lucha underground guys there some some of their guys it's gonna be a great show but i just wanted to thank them for giving me their access so i have that video game book under my belt and then a year from now i'll have that wrestling book under my belt too so that that'll be really cool too cool very very exciting stuff and matt how about you where can our listeners find you in case they want to tweet at you or anything well, you can tweet at me at Matt Basta. My name is M-A-T-T-B-A-S-T-A. You can find me on Instagram at MarkChoy on Instagram. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's true. You, you it can is actually true. navigate you actually, Mark Choi on Instagram.com um, to, <laughs> to find me on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's the um, best thing it, ever. Never change, Matt. <laughs> uh, if, if you want to start your own podcast because you're... <laughs> Sick and tired of hearing us blab on about video games. Head on over to pinecast.com. Uh, sign up for a, a free account, free forever. Uh, and when you're ready for the good stuff, uh, it's just five bucks a month uh, for unlimited episodes, unlimited storage, unlimited bandwidth. Uh, and use the coupon code PADRE for Padre. Nice. Your f- for 60% off your first two months. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, Pinecast.com. It's a great thing. Uh, we got a whole network of podcasts <laughs> over there. Minus Press Continue. They're, they refuse. Uh, but no. They refuse. Uh, <laughs> we got, Damn you, Adam! Yeah, Damn Press Continue Adam. Podcast. <laughs> One Track Gamers. Uh, Eerie Canal Theater. Dumbbells and Dragons. Our D&D show, Almost Better Than Dragons. So go check that shit out at almostbetter.net. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. All of our handles are ABT Silence. I actually got some cool little clips of our interviews, uh, past interviews on Instagram. So if you want to see little highlights of those, it's a good place to check that feed. But yeah, and we, like I said, really excited for your book, for your game. Some super exciting things. Thanks for being on our program. We look forward to hearing from you in the future. Uh, it would be cool to see if we could have the Padre say, say goodbye to us. Uh, say goodbye to us. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Is there anything that you want me to say in particular? Besides say goodbye to us, I could sing something like, uh, Ooh, werewolves of London. I don't know. I'll just sing something. I like that. Okay. <laughs> Let's go with it. That works. But we will be back next time, listener. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Patrick. See you guys. No problem. Bye. I miss you. 